0: Hey there boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt underscored the music by Sam Brandt. I'm so proud of him, great artist. You'll be hearing a lot more from him. The Business of Sports podcast is part of the Podcast One SportsNet as you know that and sponsored by betonline.ad your online sports book experts. Go to betonline to get your 50% sign up bonus today. Use the promo code podcast1. A couple days ago, I did the emergency pod on Antonio Brown and the drama going on in Oakland. Remember them? They were his team a while ago, like 24 or 48 hours ago. Uh, The Raiders, I did the pod all about the drama between, I guess, Thursday and Saturday when he had sworn his allegiance to the team with the captains. John Gruden says he's good to go Monday night. We're all good. Then we see a video Late Friday night, then we see release me Instagram, and then of course he was released, uh, and that's when I did the podcast. And lo and behold, I had to go out and go uh, some commitments for the weekend. And oh by the way, he signed with the Patriots. And now as we record this on Wednesday morning, that may not be a hundred percent because we've got a civil lawsuit. Rape allegations against Antonio Brown. I'll get into the, all that on my major rant coming up. Uh, but first, I'd be rem- I think we need to open with this because I'd be remiss to not talk about 9/11 uh, as I record this on 9/11. 18 years. It's been 18 years since that solemn day where the trade towers went down. And just a little bit of recap. And I know this is not the most um, elegant thing to talk about when you talk about 9-11. I get it. But just some remembrances from running a team and how difficult that was on 9-11. You got to understand, my whole day, I'll just go through it real quick. Uh, I worked out in the morning. Actually, I played tennis. Good buddy in Green Bay. Uh, I was with the Packers, obviously. So I played tennis early with my Green Bay buddy who's a good tennis player, really good player. And as I'm driving, I had on somehow, I had on the Don Imus show, and Warner Wolf, who was the sportscaster I grew up with in Washington, D.C., and then moved to New York and called into Imus, and he just said something about a plane in the World Trade Center. And it sounded to me like it was a private plane that kind of buzzed the World Trade Center and thought nothing of it. Get to the Packers' offices. And I'll never forget our security director, Jerry Perrin's wonderful man is standing in front of the TV that's propped up on the wall. Uh, and he's crying and like tears running down his, his, his face. And I said, what's going on? And he told me and talked about what was going on, that it was a real plane. It was a jet. It was a, you know, a jetliner. It wasn't a private plane that raised the side of the trade tower, it went right into it. and then there was the next one. and then the building starts coming down. and then we're hearing all about another plane. and then we're hearing about the Pentagon and oh my God, what is happening? And I remember being in this country, uh, I'm sorry, being part of this country obviously, but feeling nestled in tiny little green Bay. I'm from Washington DC. my brother and father, were minutes away from the Pentagon when that happened. And they were caught in traffic. So I'm like worried about them, of course. And, and then I'm worried about all the people in New York, especially at the league office. And I got communication with the league office. But I guess my point earlier, I was nestled in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm like, for once, it's kind of good to be in this little burg that no one knows about, obviously, except for football. And I felt sort of comfort, like, oh, man, we're not in a big city. We're safe. That was kind of a weird feeling, you know, being in this tiny little town of Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is still the most unusual story in sports, that they have an NFL team. But here we are. So I checked in on the NFL, all the people I dealt with all the time there, and there was concern about one of the employees, and I'll leave his name out. Not him, but his wife and his wife worked there and everyone was worried about him and his wife and then I lost communication then there was no communication with New York there was nothing going on so now in trying to run a team you're trying to figure this out this is Tuesday as we prepared we had week one we were on the way to week two and we were scheduled the Packers were scheduled to play at the New York Giants week two at the New York Giants. So here we are, and we're reading and hearing that Meadowlands is being used as a staging area and and a morgue. And like, okay, that's not in. And I finally make contact, it must have been late Tuesday, even Tuesday evening, with the NFL, that as of that moment, they told us, prepare to host the Giants on Monday night. Now, think about this. We had the Redskins coming in on Monday night the following week. So what they're basically telling us is Lambeau Field will have two back-to-back consecutive Monday night football games. Think about how unique that would have been. Never in the history of Monday night football, of course, had that happened. So I'm getting our staff mobilized to host Monday night football and have this major event the week after 9-11. And here we go. That's Tuesday. Wednesday, again, sporadic communication and the tragic news that our friend at the NFL lost his wife. And we're still waiting. And now we're hearing that Commissioner Paul Tagliabue and NFLPA head Gene Upshaw are really trying to get together and figure this out. And both of them lost people close to them. With Tagliabue, would be the wife of the friend of ours. And with Epshaw, someone that he was close to. So they are bonding in a so, sort of a personal time right now. But meanwhile, we got to figure out week two of the NFL. So Wednesday, we are still mobilizing to have Lambeau Field host the Giants week two Monday night and week three host the Redskins. And no one is knowing this except people inside our building. Cannot. Cannot. We were sworn to secrecy about this. So this is all going on and everybody's asking the NFL, will they play, will they not play? What's going to happen? People are getting on with their opinions on whether they should play football as a relief to what's going on or not play football because it's so uh, minimally pers- in perspective. So this is going on. Then we have the issue of Okay, we got to know, because what are we going to do with the players? The players are just practicing. They don't know what's going to happen, but they're practicing for the Giants. And then we have the call on Thursday. I guess Wednesday night, there was a big call with NFL players, which included a lot of Giants. Uh, Jason Seahorn, I remember, Michael Stran. And really sort of the concern about playing. And there was really concern about not playing. That's really what their message was. But let's be clear on the business side, they want to get paid for the week. So a compromise was reached where week two would be canceled. And I would have to demobilize all the efforts we had going for Lambeau Field to host Monday Night Game. Now listen, I'm talking to vendors, I'm talking to parking, concessions. And everyone is sworn to secrecy, which was great. And everyone did hold that secrecy. But then I got to call them all back saying, nope, game off. Weekend's gone. No NFL. The NFL goes dark for that weekend. But the players will be paid because they're going to play a game at the end of the season. So the game you're supposed to play in week two will now be played in week 17. Or maybe it was week 18. Maybe they added it on instead of taking away the buy. Yeah, they added it on. So week 18. And that's what happened. So we did not have a game week two. We had a game week three, as I said, hosting the Redskins on Monday Night TV. It was an incredibly emotional scene that happened there at Lambeau Field and around the country that day. Then we get to week, fast forward to week 18, we fly to New York. I schedule a visit to Ground Zero. I in regret, I still regret to this day, kind of did not make it mandatory. So anyway, uh, the players that didn't go went to the hotel, but a lot of players did go, but not all of them. And just seeing that was so stark and solemn, It was quiet. It was cold. It was just a stark night. Seeing these 300-pounders, you know, staring at these pictures and l- notes left from the kids for their dads and, and moms. And it was just so sad. And seeing tears go down there. So Ground Zero was quite an event, then we played the Giants the next day. I think we had clinched playoff position. They were they had to. And that was the game that Brett Favre was sacked by Michael Strahan for Michael Strahan to set the single season sack record. And I will not comment further on that. (laughs) Okay. So that was my memory of nine eleven. Uh obviously so many memories from what happened we did lose a friend uh, that we knew from Boston who was on the Boston flight with her child. Um, just a terrible. And we remember it 18 years ago today, and I just shared my feelings, uh, but also the logistical, incredible issues that we had to deal with that week, which no one really knows until right now, I guess everyone knows from my podcast that we were preparing week two uh, for the Giants game, which would have been an unprecedented two weeks in a row Monday night football from the same venue. But it didn't happen. Okay, let's get to the news of the week. Uh, it's obviously a Brant Rants podcast. Antonio Brown, uh, he's been drama since, uh, not only since January, but it's actually December. I think the last game of the Steelers season was in December. So we're now from nine, 2018, this started. With his drama, and it's lasted there. The amazing thing about this is Antonio Brown has not taken a snap in an NFL game uh, through all this drama, and we've now he's now on his third team. Uh, the question becomes, you know, everyone's asking, was there something to look into with the Patriots? And I kind of thought maybe there'd be a little bit shenanigans that all of a sudden he's out of the. Um, Raiders and right away with the Patriots. But then I saw Pete Carroll make a statement saying that we were in it too. So he had competition. Drew had an auction or Drew just, uh, you know, sort of listened and gave Antonio the teams and that's where he ended up. Uh, so we'll see if there's any kind of inquiry into them signing so fast. The other part of it is um, Antonio Brown sabotaging himself. You know, I think there's something to that. You know, with the video, with the audio, and with obviously Instagram saying "release me," that is a cry to the Raiders to get him out of there and forfeit the thirty million. I think I guarantee what happened there, and I talked about this before, is that uh, you know the NFL tells you document, document, document. So what happened is in the documentation, Mike Mayock and the lawyers at the Raiders noted that he had mispracticed, that he had been a pain in the neck. Uh, in legalese terms, and that his guarantees were voided due to his fines and suspension or whatever it was through all the mess during the preseason and the, and the training camp, they had voided his future guarantees, which are $29 million, which is obviously a generational wealth, massive amount of money. So when he loses that, he goes crazy again, and that's what starts his, his way to get out of there. Uh, and that was his, more important to him to get out than to sort of make amends to get that money from the Raiders. So he gets out, you know, and this trail of destruction for Antonio Brown continues with the raid. I'm sorry, with the Steelers. And I was wrong throughout the offseason. I said they'd never cut them because they take a $21 billion cap hit. Of course they did. And with the Raiders, I said, well, they'll never cut him because they gave up two draft picks, and he was their star player and their star signing and all that. And of course they did. They're left with two draft picks going to the Steelers for a player that's playing for the Patriots. We think. <laughs> now, as if the drama lasts, there was no news about Antonio Brown, I think for about 24 hours other than a funny meme on on social media about those two adorable little toddlers running into each other where Tom Brady and Antonio Brown's faces were planted on those. I thought that was really cute. Twitter rewards us sometimes. But allegations of sexual assault and rape. It's a civil lawsuit from a former trainer of his who he knew in college, a gymnast. We'll see where that goes. Uh, Darren Heitner, a friend of mine, is representing Brown in these matters. He works along with Drew Rosenhaus. I've invited him on the podcast. He's not willing to talk right now. He's put out statements about vigorous defense, about a countersuit, about extortion, about protecting the rights of all athletes who are put in this position. Of course, we will see innocent till proven guilty on the legal side, and it's a civil case, not a criminal case, of course. But what about the NFL side? Uh, the Patriots made a statement, of course, disappointed, look into it, the basic statement, but did note the league's looking into it. Could the league put him on commissioner-exempt? I don't know. I mean, listen, this is something kind of like Tyreek Hill. Uh, they were looking into that. They didn't put him on any list. Now, that's the offseason. The Chiefs told him to chill and stay away from camp, which is an interesting precedent. But again, that's the offseason. And Hill, of course, came back. No, no discipline and a new contract, which we can talk about later. Okay, so by the time this podcast comes out, maybe the NFL will have acted. My sense is probably let this go. Uh, They've got a lot of inquiry to do. We know that. And it seems like the complaining uh, woman is going to be amenable to talking to the NFL, which is different than a lot of cases. So we'll see where that goes. Of course, Brown's going to have his side. She's going to have her side. His side is consensual sex. And we'll see where all this goes. It's really... uh, the drama continues on Antonio Brown. It's now the Patriots. I you know, will he be placed on some kind of list and not play? I guess that's a possibility. I'd probably lean towards no, but maybe only like 6040. I'm guessing there's a chance he is placed on this list. Now, the money. $9 million signing bonus for Antonio Brown. Here's the payment terms. Five million within two weeks of signing. Signing was Monday. Uh, and then 4 million on January 15th, 2020, could the Patriots hold that money? I'm thinking they might, I'm thinking they might and let Antonio Bo- Brown grieve it. Uh, cause once you give it to them, good luck getting it back. So I don't even know what's going to happen here. Uh, maybe they pay it, you know, maybe they don't, maybe they pay it and said, well, we'll hold on to the 4 million. That's contractually something we can hold on to. But there, I just get the sense maybe they don't pay it or pay all of it because of this going on now. And then they've got an issue with Brown and Rosenhaus. they got to work that out. And now it becomes the third team that there's an issue with Brown. You know, I said this as soon as he signed. We've got two factors, two adages, two forces at play here. Number one, past be- perform, past behavior is the best predictor for future behavior. And number two, will Belichick and the Patriots get everyone to fall in line? Well, they both can't be true here. They both can't be true. So we'll see where this goes. And, you know, again, the other adage that I say every time, greater talent equals greater tolerance. Well, even that great talent did not amount to tolerance from the Steelers this year or the Raiders this year. Now we'll see about the Patriots. We will see. Not going to make any bold predictions. On the legal side, again, innocent until proven guilty. What's her evidence? That's something that will go with the NFL. The, the immediate question is, does the NFL park him? As they did with Antonio, I'm sorry, as they did with Adrian Peterson, as they did with Greg Hardy in the past, keep these guys off the field with these kind of allegations because of the great importance of domestic violence and treatment of women. And then, of course, what about the Patriots? Jonathan Kraft's on record in an interview a couple years ago saying it's zero tolerance. That can't be on our team. So we'll see where this goes. A lot of Tristan and with Antonio Brown, it's changes by the hour. I've said this. He's like the weather. Whether he's on a team or what status on the team, changes like the weather. It's just amazing how much drama, and the guy hasn't played a snap. (laughs) Okay. Uh, the last rant is also about receivers. We got a couple contracts. I just I don't have the details on them, so I say that up front. But Tyreek Hill signing a three-year extension with the uh, the Chiefs. Not a great look. I know greater talent equals greater tolerance. I know no charges filed. I know no NFL discipline. But just not a look. You know, not a look you'd expect from the Chiefs and Clark Hunt rewarding a guy who, at the least, said some disturbing things on audio to his, uh, I believe, girlfriend or wife, I'm not sure. And that, you know, to me is someone that you, okay, accept back, but don't reward. Now, again, only five-something in terms of bonus. The real reward is 15-something million next year as a roster bonus, but it is guaranteed. But again, could they get out of it if it's conduct? Yes, just like Brown. We'll see where it goes. Uh, you know, Drew Rosenhaus doing that while he's dealing with Brown as the agent for Hill. It's just something you got to say. Not a great look, uh, but again, a stair step contract only, quote unquote, only a six million bonus, five point eight, I believe, and then the big bonus next year. So you could say, well, they're holding off the big money till next year, see if he's a good citizen. But again, PR and maybe Antonio Brown dominating the news help because that flies under the radar for the Chiefs. The other contract that everyone's talking about and probably should talk about is Julio Jones. Now again, before I get to details, I've dealt with Jimmy Sexton, the agent, many times, and he really understands and leverages the use of time and deadlines. He had the perfect storm here with Julio Jones. He had the coach, the general manager, and the owner Arthur Blank saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. And then it gets to the end of training camp, the end of preseason, and the beginning of the season. And then there's noise about Julio Jones potentially sitting out the opening game without a deal. uh, And it gets done. And so Jimmy Sexton used this. He told me once in our deal, and he used that greatly against me, that he knows a team will not make its final, final, positively best, absolutely best offer. Until they're totally up against the wall and have to, and that's what happened with the Falcons. We haven't seen the deal, as I said, It's reported sixty-six million on the extension. He had two years left, so it's going to be filtered in, sprinkled in throughout this deal. The sixty-six and the sixty-four guaranteed. I don't. It says add signing. I'll have to see that. You know, I think into uh, Julio had twenty-something due. So the true guarantee over the 20, say it's 21 over, uh, now we're going to hear about 34 guaranteed. Uh, So it's really, he had 21 coming, so I'm sorry, 64. So it's really, what, 43 million in new guarantees. Uh, So we'll see that deal. But congrats to Julio and Jimmy Sexton for leveraging the Falcons as much as they did sort of right going down to the wire and getting that out of them because that's the way to use timing and leverage, especially getting those guys on record talking about it. We'll see the deal. He's now under contract for five more years, which is effectively the end of his career. Uh, Antonio Brown, one more year with an option that they're not going to exercise just for cap purposes. $9 is a good bonus. I talked about the payout. So these receivers getting deals, and my last point is this: you know, people talk about are these new templates? Uh, you know, with what with Clowney, with Peters. I'm sorry, with Clowney, with Brown, with um, Julio Jones, with Trent Williams, and with Zeke Elliott. And and here's the answer: Yeah, sure, sure, leverage your talent, use it, go after it, but. Four words. You better be special. If you're going to try this, you better be special. You better have a team with incredible tolerance because of your talent. And we see what's going on with the Chargers and Melvin Gordon. He's not at that level. So he made his noise. They said, okay, here's an offer. It's five. You making five. We'll give you ten average. Ten is not where he wants to be. He turns it down. Here we are. They say we're done. Show up or not. He's out. You know, maybe he'll show up with six games left to get the free agency credit. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll show up next week. Maybe he won't. We've seen how it worked for Le'Veon Bell. It didn't. He's making what he making this year. What he turned down last year. So he's fighting to get to even this year. I mean, listen, (laughs) you better be special if you're going to do something like this. Otherwise, you know, people. Melvin Gordon's a top talent. So for people to think about doing this you know, yeah, you can do it if you're that level. Melvin Gordon, not that level. Zeke Elliott, yeah. Antonio Brown, yeah. Trent Williams, yeah. Davian Clowney, yeah. Julio Jones, yeah. Top 10, 15 player in the league, 20 maybe, yeah. But if you're not, don't even try it. You know, the uh, irreplaceable. It's not going to happen for you. So those are my rants. Obviously, I had a lot of them. I just think that um, there's a lot going on that you know we need to talk about this week. And again with Brown, <laughs> by the time you hear this, I may this may be old news because it changes by the hour with this guy. And uh, I've never seen something like it. You know I've been critical. He's blocked me on Twitter. I get it. I'm just trying to point out what a team deals with, what an agent deals with. Imagine Drew Rosenhaus. He's got a hundred clients. The time he's spending on this one. Uh, and obviously did the Tyree Kills deal in the middle of all this. So you see what it is, and the team has to document the team has to be part of this, and maybe the Patriots even don't pay this bonus for a while and see what happens. Okay, now a word from our sponsor of course bet Online. We got so much happening right now. this is it's all in right now for football. you got college football, it's heating up with big games on the schedule, you got NFL you got to get in on the action through betonline.ag. Again, college football has my my alma mater, Stanford, uh, against UCF this weekend. What a great game that is. Clemson-Syracuse, of course, in the NFL. Another one of my teams, Green Bay, Minnesota. What a game. Of course, the Rams-Saints, Philly-Atlanta, KC-Oakland, Seattle-Pittsburgh. A lot of games. Get in on all the action. Visit betonline.ag. Don't forget that promo code, podcast1, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. That'll do it for this Brandt's Rants edition of the Business of Sports. Thanks for following me on Twitter, as always, at Andrew Brandt. And thanks for rankings and comments uh, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you hear your podcasts. Really appreciate those. Thanks to my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal, and our musician, underscoring the opening and close. That is, of course, the wonderful Sam Brandt. And I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.